Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewa, and in just a few minutes, my guest Justine Lee will be sharing some important information that may someday save your pet's life. And after our halftime break, Stevie Martin, the president of the Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue, will be checking in to tell us some fun events the organization has in the works and some very special stories of rescue. Before we get started, though, we need to pause for an ultra-quick station message. But don't go away. We'll be having some great interviews for you that are coming right up on the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. And it is my pleasure to introduce Justine Lee from the Pet Poison Helpline. Welcome to the Pet Place, Justine. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, I know that a lot of pet owners are always concerned that their their little four-legged family members might get into some dangerous stuff. And I know there's a, a poison hotline for people, but is this a new thing to have a pet poison helpline? You know, it's interesting. There aren't any state or federally funded poison controls for pets. So while humans can call a poison control for free, unfortunately the animal poison controls require a small per incident fee in order to run and provide the service 24-7. Mm-hmm. So there's actually only two poison controls in the country. Pet Poison Helpline has been around um, for about six years, and we're here 24-7, and we're staffed by veterinarians and veterinary technicians, toxicologists, and pharmacologists, and we're based out of Minneapolis. Oh, okay. And so um, we're available for both pet owners and veterinarians who are worried that either their own pet or their patient was poisoned. And what is the number that people could call in the event of an emergency like this? Great question. It's 800-213-6680, and it works throughout all of North America. And you can always find more information at our website at PetPoisonHelpline.com. Okay, and I'm going to make sure I ask you that same question before I let you go a little bit later in case our listeners didn't have a chance to run and grab a pen and write that all down. Sure. What are the symptoms that people might notice if their pet has eaten something that is bad? That's a great question. You know, the frustrating thing is some symptoms don't actually develop for days. And by the time your pet has ingested something poisonous, it may be too late because they've already developed end-stage kidney failure or liver failure. So we always tell pet owners if you even think that your pet ingested something poisonous, when in doubt, always contact your veterinarian right away or contact Pet Poison Helpline. And that's because the prognosis the outcome is always better when we can decontaminate, in other words, pumping the stomach or inducing vomiting right away versus waiting until they've already showed signs. It's also much less expensive to treat them earlier on. Some signs um, initially include things like, you know, they're very vague signs. So it could be things like vomiting or diarrhea to severe agitation, even twitching or tremoring or seizuring. It's really dependent on what your dog or cat has gotten into, so it depends on the poison. Okay. If you think your pet has eaten something bad, something poisonous, 
can you give an animal Ipecac like you can give a small child? Is that recommended or advised? It's not recommended. We always recommend contacting your vet or Pet Poison Helpline before you reach for anything to induce vomiting. And the reason why is there's only certain safe vomiting, inducing drugs that you can use. Even human medicine no longer recommends syrup of Ipecac. So the only thing we recommend in dogs nowadays is hydrogen peroxide. The hard thing is that sometimes it's actually more dangerous to your pet if you induce vomiting at the wrong time or depending on what the substance is. It can make them worse. So you never want to induce vomiting without checking with a veterinarian first. Unfortunately for cat owners, there's nothing at home you can do. There's nothing, even though cats vomit all the time at home, (laughs) especially at 2 a.m., there's there's no agent you can use to induce vomiting. You have to go straight to a vet and your vet can induce vomiting. Wow. It's it's really scary to think about. I know my husband takes a variety of prescription drugs, and almost every day I'll find something on the floor, a pill that fell out of his hand, and I'm constantly picking them up and and I have a dog that will eat anything that it comes across and I'm so worried what are some of the big prescription drugs that we need to be especially careful with if we have pets around the house especially pets that eat everything (laughs) absolutely I would say the number one medication that we worry about um, is actually NSAIDs what we call non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and they be, can be prescription ones like diclofenac to over-the-counter ones like ibuprofen, oh. and they can be deadly to dogs and cats. Oh. Um, dogs and cats have a really sensitive um, stomach and metabolism, so they can't metabolize human drugs at all. And so NSAIDs can cause really severe bleeding ulcers in dogs and cats and even acute kidney failure. Oh, so that's wow. one of the most common calls we get called about A couple other medications that we get called about quite frequently are actually drugs used for blood pressure or for cholesterol, Mm -hmm. and that's because a lot of humans are um, on those medications. And so those medications, thankfully, are relatively safe, even if a pet gets into them. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so drugs like Lipitor, which reduce cholesterol, or certain types of statins that help reduce cholesterol, those are generally very safe. Um, but there are certain medications that can be deadly. So certain antidepressant medications or antipsychotics, very commonly prescribed in the United States, and even just one pill can result in severe seizures in a cat or dog. So when in doubt, I always tell people, keep your prescription or even over-the-counter medications out of reach, um, and if you ever see your dog get into them or your cat get into them, uh, make sure to, again, call your veterinarian or pet poison helpline right away. Okay. What are some common household chemicals that people might have around and and really don't think too much about that are potentially deadly for animals? You know, I would have to start with the kitchen. Um, There's a couple of dangerous food um, products in the kitchen that people don't think about. And one of the most common ones are grapes and raisins or anything that contains that. Um, Even raisins and raisin bran or trail mix or granola, um, if your dog ingests it, it can cause kidney failure. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, you know, dogs don't show signs of kidney failure until two to three days after they get into it. And by that time, it can be deadly. So even though humans have been eating grapes for thousands of years, um, we recently, about 20 years ago, discovered that it causes severe kidney failure in, in dogs and cats. So definitely want to keep that out of reach. That is very good to know. I suspect that most people have no clue because 
I think most dogs would enjoy getting a little treat of a grape or a raisin, and you would think, gosh, that's a nice, healthy thing, and you want to give your pets fruits and vegetables to a certain extent. So that's That's what you want to avoid, for sure. Okay. Any other fruits and vegetables that we should avoid? Most of the other ones are pretty safe. Um, The biggest other one that people don't know about are nuts, certain types of nuts like macadamia nuts are specifically poisonous to dogs. It actually causes a temporary paralysis where dogs can't walk. And thankfully it resolves. It goes away after a few days. Um, But that's another poison people forget about. Um, Onions or garlic, especially when they're chronically fed to pets, Mm -hmm. that can result in a severe anemia where they don't have enough red blood cells. My goodness. yeah, again, humans don't know, uh, you know, they don't oh, don't always know about these poisonings because we eat them all the time without any problem. Yeah, yeah. So those are the common kitchen ones I worry about. And what about cleaning chemicals and, and things like that that people just have on hand and, and don't really think too much about? Yeah, good question. I would say when in doubt, you always want to keep your pet out of the room while you're cleaning. And most surface cleaners, in other words, cleaners that you use to, you know, wipe down the counters, most of them are very safe, but you do want to be careful. There are certain ones like oven cleaners or lime removal agents or certain types of toilet bowl cleaners that are corrosive. They can result in severe burns to a pet's mouth. And pets are so curious, you know, they may go lick something in a tub or drink out of the toilet. And so you always want to make sure that you're cleaning with your pet out of the room um, and with that area well ventilated. Okay. And um, that's the safest way to keep your pet safe. If you see that your pet has gotten into it right away, um, you don't want to administer any ha- home antidotes. You don't want to induce vomiting. You just want to contact your veterinarian, pet poison helpline, or even the company. Sometimes the company will help you too. Oh, that's a great suggestion. And I wanted to ask you also, I know a lot of our listeners have birds, and birds are very, very sensitive to a lot of things in the environment. Are there any special recommendations that you can make to bird owners to ensure that they're not exposed to fumes or anything like that that might be deadly? Great question. You know, birds have a really unique anatomy. They have something called air sacs Mm -hmm. um, that make them be able to breathe but still be light enough to fly. And as a result, like you said, they're much more sensitive to smells. If you can smell it, it's dangerous to your bird. And even something as simple as burning Teflon in a frying pan can kill a bird. So those chemicals are very, very deadly. So if you're ever using a fragrance, I always recommend removing your bird from the environment. So no scented candles or anything like that? No scented candles, no air fresheners, nothing aerosol. Um, When in doubt, uh, birds are just so sensitive when it comes to anything fragranced. And a lot of appliances, too, these days have Teflon in them, and you don't even know, toasters, ovens, if you use a self-cleaning mode. So you're basically fumigating your house with these toxic fumes that could could take out your beloved pet, and that's something you really need to think about. Thankfully, most bird owners are pretty savvy to that, so they're aware of that. Um, It's pet owners who own smaller birds, like parakeets, that may not be aware of it. Uh, more exotic birds like parrots and macaws, most pet owners do are aware of that. Um, but when in doubt, yes, always ventilate the room really well and keep your bird and the cage out of that area. If you do notice that your bird is in distress, what can you do at that point? You know, honestly, there's nothing you can do at home. The biggest thing is ventilating the area, getting your, your bird out of the environment, and getting to a bird veterinarian immediately. Okay, okay. 
And what are some of the most important precautions, just day-to-day -day precautions that you recommend to pet owners that you find that most people don't do, even though they're real simple? <laughs> sure. You know, the number one thing is crate training. I'm a huge believer that um, for any dog owner, especially those starting out with a puppy, that they should learn how to appropriately crate train their dog and do appropriate puppy obedience. And the main reason why is a lot of people think of crates as punishment when really the true wolf will go to their den um, as a safety area. And a well-trained dog in their crate feels very, very safe in that environment. Very easy way of keeping your pet out of danger um, and keeping them out of reach when you're at work and they're bored at home and getting into things. So that's the first thing. The second thing is keeping your human medication in a totally different area from your pet's medication. I can't tell you how many times we get called every day at Pet Poison Helpline where a human has accidentally given their human medication to their pet and the human has taken the pet's medication. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's simply because they put the prescription vials next to each other. But the human and, has no tapeworm, so that's really good. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's something where you do want to be really careful, especially mm -hmm. if your dog's on chronic medication, like even thyroid medication. Yeah. So you want to make sure to keep those separated. And then pet-proofing your house, especially if you have a puppy. Sure. You know, getting on your knees, crawling around the house, and just seeing from their perspective what they can get into to make sure that you've pet-proofed the house. And those are the best ways that you can avoid having your pet be poisoned by anything. Wonderful, wonderful suggestions. And let's remind everybody one more time what your national phone number is and sure. your website. Sure. Pet Poison Helpline can be reached at 800 213 6680, and I always tell people to be safe, pre-program your cell phone with your vet's phone number, your emergency vet, and Pet Poison Helpline. That way you're not digging for the number in case of emergency. And people can always find more information on our website at PetPoisonHelpline.com. Justine, I think it is so important for pet owners to be prepared to handle any kind of emergency. And knowing that help is available for accidental poisonings is just invaluable information. So. Thank you so much for letting the listeners hear all about the Pet Poison Helpline. No problem. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Very good. Right now we need to pause for a quick message from the station, but don't go away. We'll be back shortly with Stevie Martin, the president of the Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue. So stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. And joining us now is Stevie Martin from Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue. Welcome to the Pet Place, Stevie. Hi. How nice, nice of you to have me on. Thank I you. I just love Golden Retrievers. They are the happiest, sweetest dogs on the planet, I think. Uh, retrievers are. They were bred to lay next to you in a duck blind, and uh, they've translated that into lay next to you while you watch television or sleep. Yeah, and snuggle. And they also have these big dog smiles, and they're just goofy and playful. They're just wonderful. And they should all be named Trip because they like to be under your feet. <laughs> well, you know, having a couple other dogs that are not golden retrievers, I think that's just, well, cats, too. I think that's just... Uh, just their plan to take over the world. <laughs> it would be a kinder place. <laughs> That's for sure. 
How long has Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue uh, been operating? We're just over three years old. We started in March of 2008. Okay. And uh, we have crossed the 1,100 dog mark. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Thank and, you. And what area are you covering? We cover Santa Barbara to San Diego. Oh, that's and huge. We have a sister organization, Homeward Bound, that has been so instrumental in getting us off the ground and guiding us. And they cover Santa Barbara North. Oh, you know, I just, it's hard for me to imagine that golden retrievers would ever end up in a situation where they need to be rescued. But I know. Every breed so many. has a need, and and for people who think that they can't get a purebred dog from a shelter or rescue, there's plenty of them. <laughs> there's plenty of them. There's also owner relinquishments. The economy is very bad, mm-hmm. and many people think and plan ahead, and they they know the the downturn, and they're losing their homes. And they contact us, and we take their dogs into rescue. And that gives them a security to know they're going to a pre-approved home. Mm -hmm. Golden needs to be in the house part of a family. And how many do you have, personally? (laughs) Personally, I have three. Ah, okay. And do you foster any, too, in addition to that? We foster two or three. We do surgical recoveries. Um, We will always have a permanent foster. A permanent foster is an older dog that... For whatever reason, the medical attention or people don't want to assume the responsibility. Wow. So we have permanent fosters where we pay for the medical. Okay. And then they just love and feed the dog until the end. Oh, wow. And then they hold them and cry, and the dog has someone to love them until they cross the Rainbow Bridge. Oh, gosh. We very often will pull an older dog out of the shelter, give them a hamburger, some pizza, some very bad food, and at least there's a volunteer holding the dog and crying where mm-hmm. I feel it's the owner's responsibility, but someone's yeah. got to do it, yeah. and we will do it for them. That is so sad. Thanks for getting me all teary-eyed <laughs> yet again. <laughs> we, a few summers ago, we had a 16-and-a-half-year-old, and she lasted another two-and-a-half weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had ice cream, cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I can tell you're a big uh, pushover. <laughs> yes, yes. So we'll do any. We do a lot of surgeries. We do a lot of, obviously, hip surgeries and entropians where the eyelashes roll into the eyes. We're and seeing a lot of that. Yeah, that's real common in golden retrievers, isn't yes. it? Especially yes. the hip problems. Yes. I, and I, you know, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that there are so many puppy mills and they know golden retrievers are popular dogs, and they have breeding practices that just breed in these genetic disorders. And that's, that's one of our things. So is to, we're very active politically, mm-hmm. and a true breeder breeds for the quality of the dog, and it, a puppy miller or a backyard breeder just breeds. Yeah. If their dog has a genetic problem, it's passed on to the litter, and it, it's really pitiful to the public. They buy these dogs or... They go into a pet store and fall for those little eyes and sign up for three years of payments and are in for thousands and thousands of dollars in medical care or lose the puppy. Yeah, it's terrible. It really is. There is even a rash now. Some Someone has they've been forging the Parvo shot records. So you adopt a puppy, no. you get a puppy, and they say they've had the Parvo shot, but they haven't. Oh. Now, the Parvo to us is $1,600, I imagine, 
for someone else that only has one dog, it's got to be $2,500. Our vets give us tremendous discounts. Oh, that's always nice. But, but we still, still that's a yeah, lot. We spend $150,000, $175,000 a year wow. on vet care. Oh, my goodness. I hope you do a lot of fundraisers. <laughs> we never stop fundraising. We are just starting on our big push now to accumulate things for our upcoming eBay auction that starts the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, how can people uh, get involved with that? They can uh, just go to our website, www.scgrrescue.org, and we'd love to have donations. We're really trying to get some cabins in the mountains, uh, condos, some trips and things. Okay. And uh, we we auction off jewelry, um, antiques. We get amazing things, and that's how we support ourselves. Wow, that's a big undertaking in itself. It's a huge undertaking, and the volunteers work tirelessly. But the adoption fee, while we might make $100 on a puppy, on the average, if we adopted 100 dogs out and made $200 each on them, then we get hit with a couple of dogs that we're hit by cars, mm-hmm. and they're $5,000 each. So mm-hmm. it, it's really, we always say we're a communist organization. The money just goes into a big pot. So wow. the adoption fee, we could make money on a, on a puppy, but uh, we will always lose a few hundred dollars on a senior. All our sure. dogs are vetted over six. They have blood work done. Um, they have all their shots, microchips, neutered or spayed, groomed in foster homes so we know their disposition, and then matched to a pre-approved home. That's wonderful. How could somebody take a look at some of the dogs that are available through Southern California Golden Retriever Rescue? They are online. You just go to the same website, scgrrescue.org, mm-hmm. click on Available Dogs or Available Goldens. It changes every day. They move very, very quickly. Oh, that's but, great. But we bring them in every day, too. Oh, yeah, not so great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We really look forward to the day that we are out of business. That would be the day that we're all hoping for. Everybody who's a animal advocate is hoping for that day. But I just don't see that happening in my lifetime, which is very sad. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. I, I wish there was something we could do to make people realize how important it is to spay and neuter, to be responsible, to remember that pet ownership is a lifetime commitment, and to really think, What's my life going to be like five years from now? Yes. Are, am I going to get married? Am I going to have children? Is this going to be a situation where maybe I'm not going to be ready for a dog? And and I don't think people really think about that and think it through when they bring a dog into the house. And a couple years down the line, there's a beautiful adult dog that's in a shelter or rescue. And it's so heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. And if they don't give them their shots, the dogs get sick in the shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel very strongly um, about adopting families with children. If you have young children, do not pull from the shelter. Let us be the middleman. We know what we're doing. We kid test them. We make sure you can put your hand in their mouth. <laughs> I also think anybody who has that cute little puppy that says, oh, I just want to breed, mm-hmm. go for a walk through a few shelters. Yeah. See what's there. Yeah. We've got to stop this cycle. We definitely do. I I think the thing is that if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And people don't realize how many millions of animals, and it's just a number, it's a word, million. It it doesn't really make an impact, I don't think. And, And yet there are all these innocent, trusting lives that just get wiped out because there's not a home for them. 
That's right. And it's it's if you spend a half hour at the shelter, you will see people walking in, turning their dogs in, walking in, turning their dogs in. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment that they didn't follow through on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for the people that say, oh, I wanted my children to experience birth, I always write back to them and say, well, if you feel that way, then you absolutely feel they should experience death, and you should go adopt an elderly senior so your children can have that rounded experience. Yeah. You don't bring six or eight or ten dog lives into the world so your children can experience birth. Yeah. You go to the animal shelter and you find a, or a rescue, and you find that perfect little buddy that's already here, that already needs a home, and they make great, great companions. They know they've been rescued. And they the, do. the terror these dogs feel being taken to the shelter, and the shelters do what they can, mm-hmm. but they're not responsible for finding a home for your dog. Well, it's an overwhelming task, unfortunately, but the numbers of animals that end up in shelters and the lack of people that are going to shelters to adopt, and, and really it's the rescues that are kind of bailing out a lot of these animals from shelters these days. But unfortunately, we can't take them all. No. It's very sad. I yeah. cover two shelters, yeah. and, and you, you cry every time you walk in and you see these wonderful dogs. But uh, we have to stay focused and do all the goldens are what we know. Uh-huh. Goldens, we know how to train them, what their issues are, what their medical issues are. And we have taken other breeds, and we're not good at it. We had a great Pyrenees, <laughs> and we vacillated for five weeks before adopting her out. Is that the right home? Is that the right home? Yeah. It's a different dog with different needs. Absolutely, and and I promote all the rescues and shelters, and I'm so glad yes. that Golden Retriever Rescue was able to come on the show. And before I let you go, let's quickly say your website one more time. S C G R rescue.org so it's the initials for Southern California Golden Retriever and the word rescue .org thanks for spending a little time with us this morning thank you so much for having us on well it's our pleasure and we need to take one last break but we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on AM 1260 don't go away we're back on the Pet Place radio show I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Have you decided to take the adoption plunge? Well, you won't want to miss the semi-annual super adoption event at the Irvine Animal Care Center. Available pets from dozens of California shelters and rescues will all be ready and waiting for you this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. This is a great adoption event where you can also enjoy entertainment. Shop at pet supply vendor booths, enter contests, have some fabulous food, and meet some terrific pets looking for their forever homes. The Irvine Animal Care Center is located at 6443 Oak Canyon in Irvine. For more information, visit www.irvineshelter.org. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.